Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast in which I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek. With a non-random guest, I have a new guest on. It's very excited. Dave Bradley is joining me. Dave, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm not as pleased as I am. And you are from you are from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. But before we get into, well, we're not we're probably going to talk too much about that. But before we get into Star Trek and all that, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Thanks. Yeah, you're right. I'm all the way over here um, in the UK. Uh, born and born and raised in London, but I'm just recording from outside there today, about 100 miles west of there, in the uh, historic Roman spa town of Bath. But oh. yeah, so I'm a yeah, it's a, a very picturesque around here. But yeah, I'm a I'm a um, a journalist and editor covering the science fiction and fantasy beat for many years. Um, I co-host a podcast called Robbie the Robots Waiting, which is about science fiction and fantasy, but. For about 10 years, I was the editor-in-chief of SFX magazine, which is um, a pretty big, glossy sci-fi mag uh, over here. I think you can get it in the US as well, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, it's known over here. And I was also on the management team for some other magazines like Total Film and Comic Heroes and Crime Scene Mag. I don't think that one necessarily made it across to the US, but, but it, certainly that was my background. And I still write for SFX magazine from time to time, reviews uh, mostly, uh, most months, I, I think. But but I'm no longer uh, the editor in chief. I think these days my day job is running uh, websites and conferences for video game developers over at uh, Pocket Gamer. But um, but yeah, that's my my background, and um, always been a Star Trek fan. You you took the question right out of my <laughs> mouth. But before I before we get into Star Trek, since mm. uh, I know in your podcast you talk about kind of what you're watching currently, I want to mm. ask you. Uh, what show or movie or book series, you know, whatever, what have you been consuming lately that you're most excited about? Oh, yeah. So uh, I watch an awful lot of stuff. But do you know what? Have you seen um, The Terror, which is um, a Ridley Scott produced adaptation of the Dan Simmons book, The Terror, which is a, um, a, a kind of fantastical reimagining of the lost voyage around um, – the, uh, the North Pole and Canada uh, in the uh, 19th century. It's absolutely fascinating. And it's been out for a little while. I think it might have been um, released on a, one of the streaming services a few months ago, but it's it's kind of um, made it to some of the others now. And and, and I've just been re-watching that on um, uh, BBC iPlayer in the UK where it's available, but it's it's on other services too, maybe Hulu or something. But but it's, um, it's fantastic, absolutely atmospheric, 10 episodes, really creepy. It's this, you know, this 19th century... Voyage of discovery around the uh, the icy wastes of the north that ends in in tragedy, but um, but a true story. Except that, of course, they vanish from the they vanish from the um, the sort of historical record because they get lost in the ice and they're not actually found until 2014. That's that's how recent the discovery of the wrecks of these these ships are. Um, and so that the um, uh, the uh, the TV series and and the book fill in the blanks, and it has them being stalked by this uh, by this kind of polar bear like spirit from the um, uh, from the local uh, myths of the, the local indigenous people, and 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 it gets very kind of spoop and natural and and, uh, and and weird. But yeah, it's um uh, that's great, really well made. So I've been enjoying that. Um, yeah, so that's worth worth a watch. And also, I'm I'm rewatching some Futurama as well because we're going to be talking about that in our um uh, in our next episode of the podcast. So those are two very very distinct and different shows. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the gamut uh, has been run yeah. there between. Uh, and I, I'm a fan of Dan Simmons. I, I have not uh, watched The Terror only because right. I don't know if I like to be creeped out all that much, and yeah, I felt like it yeah. might be too creepy for me. It's very. Do you know what? It's it's strange because it's one of those um, those stories where there are these fantastical and supernatural elements, but actually 
you realise that the real horror all along was the uh, was humanity and, mm-hmm. and how they go to pieces in the uh, you know under extreme duress and and that's the weird thing about it. In fact, the uh, the the monster, if you like, that stalks them in the twilight of the North Pole is almost certainly the least freaky thing about it. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I will give it a try yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I have read a bunch of his, I haven't read that book of his, but I've read a bunch of his other books so, mm-hmm. and enjoy his work. Uh, all right, well, let's talk Star Trek. So we've already established that you're a Star Trek fan. And so now, of course, I have to ask you, which is your favorite series? And I will make the distinction that, it, you know, in my uh, view of things, your favorite series doesn't necessarily mean the one you think is the best. Um, so given that context, how would you answer? What's your favorite Star Trek series? So I would probably describe myself as a fan of the next generation. I think mm-hmm. that's probably my era that chimes with me you know where i was in my life you know it's the the late 80s the 90s and and i've got a lot of fondness for the for the cast there but if i had to so for instance i think the probably like peak star trek if someone says to me okay what what should i watch i actually usually go and say that say go and watch the wrath of khan i think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. i think it's incredible just in fact i think it's a, just an crazy you know a crazy good piece of screenwriting even if you're not a, a star trek fan it's a great war film I think you, you know you can, you can go and watch that. So I so I think that era is great too. But but the next generation is my comfort go to. Right, if I was gonna if I was gonna kick back and watch some some Star Trek uh, this weekend to relax, I'd probably fire up some Next Generation. <laughs> I think I'd probably. Uh, I I love those kind of um, mystery episodes. I like Star Trek when it's kind of um, like an anthology series, like the Twilight Zone or something, where the 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 ship is the is the 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 the, the structure that binds it together, the you know, that's the kind of framing structure. But the episodes themselves present you with a little capsule mystery. And so I, you know, I I, I love those episodes like cause and effect, where you know, the one where they get stuck in that time loop or mm-hmm. you know, yesterday's enterprise where they play around with time a little bit. I kind of love stuff like that. And and the next generation is just chock a block with episodes like that, uh, because mm. they didn't mm. bother with the whole Art, story arc thing and uh you know there's some character arc but not not a whole lot it was let's reset every time and never speak yeah, yeah. of that amazing thing that happened last week <laughs> we don't need to talk exactly. about it and it have no exactly. effects on us uh, and i will say i will echo I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to random trek you have seen the wrath of khan i can it cannot enter my mind that someone who wants to listen to this podcast has not seen that movie. But if you have not, it is in fact one of my favorite movies, period, not Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. just movies, uh, because it's I just agree. really good. Um, yeah, so. It's, it's so good. It's so it's so well paced and so well written. I, I agree. It's, it's a fantastic movie, even if you're not a fan of Star Trek. And of course, if you are, it's essential viewing. But there's just the way that that the, the so tightly written that that film, every single scene in that film goes towards advancing the theme of the film which kind of it sounds like a like a you know very reductive thing to say but that's really hard to do and you, you know it's even just every moment the first time we see kirk in that film and he says to lieutenant savick who's just you know failed the kobayashi maru simulation and he says you know, how you deal with death is at least as important as how you deal with life wouldn't you agree mr savick that that's the theme of the whole film they managed to introduce <laughs> it you know what i mean they kind of mm-hmm. they sort of explain what's going on. and it's it's so so in terms of just as a a little bit of a, a guide to screenwriters. I think people should go away and watch that film for the way that they introduce character and plot and theme. It's just really smart. And this is something that if you watch The Wrath of Khan for the first time and then at the end of it, someone says to you, you know, uh, 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 
William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban were never in a scene together. It just blows <laughs> your mind because that whole movie, <laughs> it feels like they, sh- they have been, you know, fighting, you know, each other directly for that whole movie. And you feel like, well, surely there was a scene where they were together. Uh, and no, there's not. Yeah. So, uh, a testament to that, but we did not watch. Wrath of Khan for this no, episode no. of Random Trek. Uh, and you know, Wrath of Khan is a high bar. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to compare, uh, the episode, which we did watch was a Star Trek Enterprise episode, yeah. uh, yeah. very, very early Enterprise episode, season one, episode three. Well, and we were talking about this before the podcast. The first episode of Enterprise was a two-parter. So it's numbered one and two, but it, so this is really the second episode broadcast, um, yeah. fight or flight. Uh, and so, even though I just said I don't want to compare it, uh, it is not as good as Wrath of Khan. Most Star Trek episodes are not, so uh, that is that is not you know uh, uh, a bad thing in particular. But I think, and Dave, you you tell me your thoughts on this. But you know, when Enterprise was first coming out, I was excited because I wanted more Star Trek. Of course, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember this episode at all, uh, and having watched it, it is kind of puzzling why you would choose this to be the second episode of uh, your your kind of flagship show that you are launching. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just befuddled. It's not a particular, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad episode, I don't think, but it's not, it wouldn't be the one that I would say, okay, we, we've hooked you with this big two-parter, and now here's the story about a slug, and <laughs> <laughs> we're going to spend a lot of time on this slug, so get used yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's strange, isn't it? You know, it's you're, you're right. It's it's odd that they chose to to kind of pick the episodes of the season up with this one, where even the characters themselves start by talking about how dull their lives are, <laughs> which is insane, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's it, this is you know their chance to they've broken both sets of the scene. That's the first two parter, and we understand that they're going out on this this voyage of discovery, and then you think this is the first standalone one, if you like, where they're out there, mm-hmm. and they're going to see what out there. And it's just about how mundane it is, and 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 uh, you know I have lots of thoughts about that. But yeah, it's, you say it's not like a like a terrible episode, and it's got some good character stuff in there, particularly for Hoshi. But mm-hmm. it's not a shining example. It's not vintage Trek, is it? No, okay. and it's not very <laughs> exciting. I mean, it gets to there is the the, and it, it feels like it takes forever to get to this point where yeah, we yeah. find yeah. out that yeah. there's a bunch of dead aliens on the ship, and then things start to get interesting. Um, but it takes a long time to get there. It does. It does. You know, I actually, I, I checked the clock a couple of times while I was watching for that precise reason. It does take a lot of time to get going. In fact, it takes 11 minutes before I think anything interesting happens, which is unfair to the the, 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 the cast who are doing their, you know, their, their, their best character interactions. But the, really, the story doesn't start until about then. And then it's another 10 minutes until we get them making any kind of consequential decision about what to do and so that's that's half the episode <laughs> yes because there and you know i don't well i am not i i preface this by saying i don't write television shows i'm not a screenwriter so what do i know but i feel like maybe instead of the teaser which is basically hoshi um bringing this slug that she has taken from some planet they uh visited to dr flox mm. who one of my favorite characters, Dr. Flox. Yeah, I like great, Hoshi, great. Hoshi. So I'm, I, you know, it's a nice interaction, but it's a very strange scene to start the show with. Uh, Cause basically mm. her slug is sluggish and she's worried about it. Uh, and I kind of, yeah. I guess I understand why, cause it's kind of a story about Hoshi and how she feels like she's kind of not in the right place and she's questioning things. So they want to set that up. But I feel like if you're going to get to 
a ship full of dead aliens. Maybe you start with a ship full of yeah. dead aliens and then yeah. go from there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. And actually, just want to touch on something you said um, just a few moments ago, actually. When Enterprise launched and when this series and this episode came along, I was excited like you. I wanted more Trek. I liked mm-hmm. the idea of a, of, a, of a prequel series. I liked the idea of, of uh, starting with something a little bit more grungy, a little bit less reliant on technology. They could, you know, maybe be a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more of the pioneering spirit. And also, I liked the idea of... Um, of the kind of Gulliver's travel style exploration, right? That's one of the things that's always appealed to me about Star Trek as well. You know, they're they're going from place to place and and discovering new places and people and learning something about themselves in the same at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that that about it, that Gulliver's travels thing. And but it's almost like they they forgot that the they got the A plot and the B plot the wrong way around. I think in this in this <laughs> uh, in this episode, it's it's. The bit where they go and they they have the adventure and they, by the way, learn something about themselves, that is foregrounded in this. That learning something about themselves is what the whole episode is about, with the adventure in space taking a back seat, which is kind of weird. That's It's almost like they got it the wrong way around. There's, a, there's kind of a, a fun uh, kind of meme, a sort of internet. I think it's on Twitter. There's a, a kind of a, a, a joke... Uh, Twitter feed about Star Trek called Star Trek Season Eight. They call it Next Generation Season Eight. Uh, mm-hmm. You might have seen it, but essentially, it's it, it pokes fun at the the kind of format of a Star Trek Next Generation episode, where it kind of says something like, and it, it posts um, fictitious plot summaries of of Star Trek Next Generation episodes, and it'll be something like, uh, you know, the Enterprise encounters a, a gaseous anomaly where all of Data's skills will be tested. Meanwhile, Worf bakes a cake. <laughs> it'll be it'll be something like that, right? And 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 obviously it's kind of being unfair, but you kind of see that what the formula that, it, that it's it's joking with there. And what's weird about this episode of Enterprise is it's almost <laughs> like they, that was flipped around, where it kind of goes, Hoshi has a, a terrible time, at, you know, uh, acclimatizing her slug to life on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Archer encounters some murderous aliens. <laughs> It is true, and I don't understand it. And then, so I, I'm going to skip to the end, just because I feel like we should uh, we should deal with the slug storyline first. Uh, and so the slug is not doing well. Doctor Flux wants to help. He's you know feeding it protein shakes, basically, and it's still being not so great. And everybody knows about the slug because it's a small ship, so you know word gets around. And they're incredibly bored because they haven't really met, done any first contact. They haven't done anything. Uh, long story short, Dr. Flux decides, well, I can't help it. Uh, living on this ship is not for it, so we need to, uh, you know, release it. And they just stop at not the planet that they found it on, but some other random planet, seemingly, and put the slug there, which seems yeah. like a bad choice. <laughs> I know. My, my Star Trek mind was screaming, Prime Directive? Mm-hmm. Haven't they just just captured <laughs> what they've done? There's a there's another version of this story where the crew of the Enterprise essentially capture a life form from one planet <laughs> and involuntarily transplants it to another planet and just leave it there. I, I would love it if ultimately that was the uh, the brain slug from Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan down the line. That, that <laughs> there, there's a there's some head cannon there where essentially that that was uh, Seti Alpha Prime. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I sign me up for that because I think that would make this episode so much better. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm puzzled by and of course so 
and this is not great, but it's true in this kind of met- the metaphorical slug here is Hoshi and mm. she has been taken from her home world and she's thrust into this strange situation. And, you know, one solution is possibly that she go back to where she come from um, because, you know, it's not as dangerous. And uh, she decides not to do that because, of course, she's on the main cast and this is the third episode. So, of course, she's not going to. Um, but she does kind of struggle with that throughout the rest of the the uh, uh, series. Um and I have thoughts about that, but you know, it's an interesting. It's interesting to have a Star Trek character who is not one hundred percent confident in their abilities. So I will give them mm. that. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. It's it, it's it's a great episode for Hoshi's character. It's almost kind of worth watching for her character development later. I mean, you know, she becomes a much more confident character in the series past. You know, she kind of hardens and and she finds a place. And it's and and if you had to pull out a few episodes to 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 dive in and see how Hoshi's character evolves. This would certainly be, uh, be an important one. Um, it's, it's very much that kind of workplace drama, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a, it's about a character kind of finding confidence in, in, in what they do, but you're right. It's interesting that for Star Trek, having characters who sort of don't want to be there is an interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're so used to um, the next generation era, especially it's almost like they're a crew of superheroes, you know. They're like yes. the only they're like the only Klingon in the fleet. They're the only positronic android who's super strong in the fleet. You know, they've all got some kind of special ability. And even, you know, even Voyager or Deep Space Nine, you know, they've got a shapeshifter, they've got a trill, they've got with huge <laughs> memory, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Enterprise and they, they have basically they have very human characters, which I like about it. Again, it was one of the things that appealed to me. And they have characters that are actually maybe not quite up to the task yet. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, is interesting for Trek, isn't it? It is interesting. And and one of them, so I don't think Enterprise is a bad show. It's Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I like Enterprise. It is, mm-hmm. I will come out and say it's my least favorite series of Star Trek, but uh, still that word favorite is in there. So mm-hmm. I do like it. Um, and my main issue with Enterprise boils down to, and people who've listened to this podcast before know what I'm about to say, uh, Captain Archer. Uh, he, and in this episode, they, they are laying the groundwork, right? So he is, he's this, this pioneer, right? He's, he's making history with every light year, as he says in this. Um, and it just strikes me that he's not having any fun. Mm. Uh, he's a very dour guy and I don't understand why. I mean, Scott Bakula, very charming as an actor, uh, and, and Captain Archer is, uh, in this episode as well, like he's annoyed because there's a squeak in his quarters. Uh, <laughs> he's annoyed by a decision that he f- made, even though Paul kind of, mm. you know, forced his hand a little bit. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, Captain Archer, come on, pull it together, yeah. be be yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the happiness thing. Although one thing I will say about it is that that their decision to leave the scene of the crime, if you like, and mm-hmm. leap away. It's not very Star Trek, but no. it is quite human. And I, I, however, I kind of feel that it's it doesn't necessarily make for a great episode of Star Trek. I sort of feel that that maybe it's kind of more I, authentic for for people on their first space mission. Obviously, it's something that doesn't sit very well with Archer, and he, he revisits that opinion and they kind of go back. But the episode itself is called Fight or Flight, of course, which speaks to both you know the adventure they're on and, and Hoshi's experience. But the fact that they they you know with T'Pol in his ear explain you know saying oh you know we we should we should we should just leave well alone and they leap away I I kind of 
I sort of believe it, if you know what I mean. There's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, an authenticity a, 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 about it, um, despite the fact that it doesn't make for, you know, there, it is a few moments of, of kind of, oh, well, that's <laughs> that's not a great trek for a moment there. <laughs> but, but you know, but that Federation, that Starfleet, that's, that's actually doesn't exist at this point. So that Starfleet spirit, they are kind of forging that. So I, I get, I get that you know they behave like that, um, you know in the uh, in the way that they are. But yeah, Archer is kind of a bit one note throughout. He has this little speech that he does when he talks about how you know when he when he reverses his decision, they decide to go back, mm-hmm. and that's great. But it's all it's all kind of oh, it's it's just a, you just you use the word Dow there, and I think that that's right. And Scott Bakula is such a charismatic actor, and you know it, it's time traveling Sam Beckett. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's the that's the person we want sorting out the situation. I think that's not necessarily you know, catching on. Exactly. Catching archer, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. That's my main problem. Like I like uh, the rest of the crew. Well, some of the crew, uh, I often forget their names. So uh, Malcolm Reed, who is mm. the security guy, for some reason, I can never remember his name, <laughs> <laughs> and he's pretty one note uh, for yeah, for most yeah. of the the se- the series. So that mm, that could mm. explain it. But uh, that's not his fault. The way that I remember his name, by the way, is that um, I think at some point, maybe later in season two, they make a joke about read alert instead of red oh. alert, and, and so <laughs> I, I always think the guy, the guy, the guy. All <laughs> oh, right, he's he's the read alert guy, right? Malcolm, Malcolm Reed. That's how I remember. Him. And I do. I think I think it's an interesting. The opportunities they had with Enterprise are interesting to kind of you know figure out how we got from there to where we know it's going, right? Uh, and the same yeah. with Discovery. Um, but the yeah. problem with both of those shows is that you are then kind of shackled to what is already existing discovery got around that by, you know, jumping very far into the future in in episode uh, season three uh, enterprise didn't have that opportunity. Uh, mm. Well, I guess they could have, but they didn't uh, do it. So it, it's just, I don't know. I just, I, it is interesting to see. And I agree with you that the, the decision that captain Archer makes to to leave, especially that you know, Paul is there, and she's kind of you know, the Vulcans have been is are basically kind of you know their advisors, and they've been out around these parts before, so they have a little more sway than than they normally would. Um, my main problem though is he gets so he directs all of his anger at to Paul as if she made him make that decision, where she right. was strongly, uh, you know, against getting involved, but. He's the captain. Like he made the yeah, decision, yeah, yeah. Uh, so really, he should be angry at himself. And he maybe he one could argue, well, maybe he is, and he's exhibiting it by being angry at Paul. But I don't really buy that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you're absolutely right. You you could say maybe he's expressing some anger at his own decision, or about the circumstances, or about the, you know the the way in which he's been uh, sort of straightjacketed by the presence of a Vulcan officer on the ship and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, you're right. It's it's that there's a kind of dinner scene where he's eating with with mm-hmm. Trip and Topol, and they're making small talk. And obviously, he's kind of simmering, and 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 eventually he snaps at her. But you know, yeah, he's he's the captain, um, and he made the decision to leap away. I mean, actually, I think you know we should probably talk a little bit about what he was leaping away from oh, because sure. <laughs> this is this is no because this is fascinating because in a way, like I was saying, they sort of buried the lead with this story because actually. What they encounter in what is essentially a first contact story is real body horror. It's real alien stuff, you know. That's, it is. It, it is it's, pretty terrifying. It's and but it's so, so little screen time. But it's actually kind of great. I would much. I would like to have dived into this experience. Mm-hmm. And, and my recollection is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in all of Enterprise that follows, we don't really find out much more about the species that are involved in this 
activity. I think they are mentioned one more time, but that's right, right. That's it. Uh, and or, or and so there there are two. Well, there's a great unsolved mystery too, right? Because so they find this yeah. ship, and uh, there are what 15 crew members. They're all basically. And if you're sensitive to to horrific things, maybe pause. I don't know, but they're mm. they're hung from hooks upside down and are basically being drained of a mm. particular kind of fluid that some yeah. somebody wants for some reason. Uh, and so it's horrific. Uh, there is a scene where Hoshi, I guess, discovers them first, and she screams. And I understand what they were doing, although I kind of felt like, mm, did she really have to scream? Yeah. Uh, but, but whatever. Uh, minor quibble. Uh, but yeah, this is the the thing. So they're like, oh no, what has happened here? Why are these people getting their blood pumped out into this weird contraption in in the cargo bay? Um, and uh, you know, let's let's figure out what's going on. And this is when Paul basically says, mm, maybe we should leave because you know we didn't. No Vulcan would get involved in this because we wouldn't have gone onto the ship in the first place. Um, and I will say, when and my other quibble, well, I have many quibbles about this show is. When they are deciding, so they come across this kind of derelict ship, no no responses to hails, and so they say, okay, we're going to go check it out. Uh, and Trip says, hey, Captain Archer, I should come with you. Uh, a, because I'm bored, and this is the first chance I get to do anything. Uh, but B, I'm an engineer, and this is an alien ship, and maybe you might need some help from an engineer. And I thought to myself, yes, you should bring an engineer. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. And, and he says, no, no, I'm going to bring a security officer, uh, the captain of the ship, which always seems like a bad choice, and uh, Hoshi, because she's a, you know, an exo-linguist. So that makes sense. Um, but totally, you should have an engineer, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. And there's something about that speaks to the way in which I think a lot of the uh, the decisions in this script are in service of the 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 theme rather than the, the, the character, you know, I, I, I think they, you know, they make some odd choices, which feel like they've been kind of forced into the story in order to, to, to reach the conclusion they want to reach where mm -hmm. actually logically, yeah, of course, of course they should take the engineer. <laughs> uh, of course they should take, they, they should take, you know, they've, they've sort of established that there looks like their, the ship is damaged, right? It's venting because they, they, what they see, look at, see as vents look like they actually are scoring from, from combat. They should take a whole fleet of marines over there. Actually, <laughs> you know, it's, I would it's, agree. You know, um, it's so it's it's kind of strange. On on that note, though, I think it is. This is this is a classic episode for that whole. Um, we come in peace, shoot to kill, kind <laughs> of uh, kind of thing. Because there's a lot. There's there's a moment where, uh, of course, Archer says we're on a mission of peaceful exploration. He says moments after we've seen them testing their torpedo system. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you know, he even says again. You know, we we you know we we need to. You know, we're going to make first contact, and he's well while he's strapping guns onto all their spacesuits, and you know he makes a comment that you know better safe than sorry or whatever he says. You know, mm -hmm. you, know you need to be cautious, and, but there's a little bit of, a bit of that about it. And he does decide not to bring the the rifles, so just handguns. Those are just more hand, peaceful. Only handguns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there is a good scene where Reed, you know, security officers in Star Trek are always uh, kind of uh, wanting to shoot first and uh, ask questions later, uh, and so they get onto the like the the docking port and uh reed says oh it's locked but don't worry i can blow it up and <laughs> <laughs> i did like that actually that was great just yes. the moment where he, he's because there's another there's a thing isn't there one of the things that i always like about star trek is that it's a it's an ensemble piece there's always a crew and there's always a problem and they solve the problem by each bringing their expertise to the table and that's mm -hmm. been in there since the since the since the first 
in the sixties, and so kind of coming at a problem, and you have the the thinker or the emotional person, all this, and and that's great, that's great, and they and they come and off, usually it's more than some of the parts. So this was a moment where here's the challenge: we can't get onto the ship, and people bring their different levels of expertise, and Malcolm Reeves is just blow a hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got micro explosives; it'll be fine. I came prepared. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Whereas, of course, like, Archer actually just solves the puzzle of, you know, he figures out what the docking clamps are, you know. It just like pulls, like, a lever that's right there, and it <laughs> opens immediately. And like, oh, they didn't even lock it. That's great. <laughs> but, yeah, that, I mean, the whole, the really interesting thing is this has happened. They're not sure why. And then they, they leave because Paul's like, well, we really shouldn't get involved. And then there's that moment over pasta where Archer snaps because Paul is being Paul and Trip He's also angry at Trip as well because he's like, "Whoa, you know, I know Topal. You're happy that these fifteen people are dead, and we're not trying to figure it out. And so are you, Trip." And Trip is like, "Whoa, don't bring me into this. <laughs> I'm just trying to eat this pasta." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not part of this. You didn't even let me come over the ship. Exactly. I wanted to go. You wouldn't. Uh, also, they didn't like. So. I have so many questions about how away missions work because uh, when they come back, Archer's like, I think Flox asks, well, how many were there? And Archer's like, oh, I don't know, 13 or 14. And I'm like, well, don't, don't you document things and you take pictures yeah. or anything? It's just kind of, kind of weird that you're so loosey-goosey with uh, the details of this. Yeah, yeah but, it's that strange, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, you think that, that at this point, which is, this takes place a hun- exactly 130 years from now, by the way, I noticed, mm. because they actually, they don't read out a... Um, a star date, like we're familiar with from Star Trek, because it's, it's earlier than that. They actually give a precise date. Uh, yes. So we, we, we know when it is. Uh, and it's in uh, 2151. So, um, uh, but yeah, you'd think they'd, they'd have kind of body cams, right? Because we have that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't. They're just like, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you what we saw, <laughs> which is just, just ridiculous. So, yes, Archer's like, okay. Well, and to Paul's point here is, well, they clearly didn't do it. Well, A, we shouldn't have gone on anyway. But mm-hmm. B, now that we have, we know they haven't done it to themselves and clearly someone's going to come and get this liquid that they are harvesting and we don't want to be around when that happens Uh, and you know logically that kind of makes sense like we don't know these people it's not our problem not our mission let's go Uh, and that's when archer is like you know that is a vulcan way of looking at it but we're humans darn it and we have our own code and we're going back uh and everyone's like okay let's go back and so they, they go back yeah. <laughs> and then this is what the the other interesting part like lo and behold they go back just in time basically for uh the the mysterious ship who wants to collect this liquid to appear um and they also uh, make hoshi try to figure out this entire language in like three hours so that she can send both a distress message which is pretty straightforward so i'll give them that mm. Uh, but then later, her distress message works, and one of these aliens' ships appears to say, hey, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, and then Archer puts a lot of pressure on her to do very complicated kind of conceptual discussions with this alien, um, which she does, of course. But I just was like, that seems a little unfair. Like, how do you, how do you describe, you know, we, were, we discovered this ship and found that uh, some alien installed a pump to suck out their blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So you should scan that pump's energy signal right. and see it doesn't match ours. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really complex stuff in there. I mean, so I, in theory, she's got a computer to help her. She's got a universal translator, True. which is struggling because, you know, it's new languages and stuff. So she's not unaided. But I agree, you know, it's, it's like, imagine if you're, you're there and, and um, 
know, the whole uh, future of your business depended on you being able to translate the word pump into Russian, say, right? You, you suddenly can't, and someone was just shouting at you, say, tell him it's the pump. Tell him it's the, like, how do you solve that problem? God, this is not helping me. <laughs> You uh, yelling encouragement is not as encouraging as you think it is. <laughs> and in fact, it, it's kind of, I, I, I totally, on an emotional level, I appreciate what this scene does. And we learn a lot mm-hmm. about Hoshi, and it's, it's, a, it's a beat in the, in the story that, that, that works on an emotional level. But you're, but you're right, as a, as a, a logical thing that could happen, it's, it's, it's also not a, it's not a great moment of screen tension, really, because actually if you sort of dial back and see what's happening, what essentially is happening is, Archer is kind of dictating to someone who is typing their, their <laughs> kind true. of responses. To, and that's the scene, you know, that, that's, that's not, uh, you know, a moment of high tension, really. The music is playing and we know what's at stake, but that's on us. Actually, the scene itself is, is a lot of talk and a lot of typing. It's, it's, mm. a, lot of, it's a lot of kind of workplace solving the, the uh, you know it's and they're on screen and it's a zoom call where the the audio's not working is what's happening that's that's the that, uh, that is true <laughs> and they haven't enabled captions so it's, exactly you know, it's and and one assumes now i don't know so these these blood collecting aliens which we never see and never hear uh, although we see their super cool ship and it makes me mm-hmm. think i want to know more about this yeah, race yeah. of people that or par- pirates maybe there are many different kinds of aliens i don't know we don't know they don't tell us anything about them um but that's the other intriguing thing are there i am interested in this story about why these people are taking this liquid and where they got all this you know fancy yeah. scanning and this is the the episode is not as interested in these elements as I am. <laughs> yeah. Which it's is not as interested in it's this is a first contact episode where um the one of the aliens that they make first contact with has incredible probing technology. It for <laughs> some reason is harvesting this, this lymph fluid or whatever. And yeah, they're never mentioned again. I mean I you know, I, I may maybe it's just there as a potential a story item for a Star Trek writer down the line. Maybe they'll show up in Discovery or something. Oh, maybe. But, but, um, but you, you know, yeah, they, they, they don't answer questions like you'd think their first question would, they'd have a meeting and they'd go, right, what are we going to do about these guys? But instead, their first priority appears to be returning that slug to its environment. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's very it's, important. It's, yeah, this is an episode that's very much about Hoshi's emotional beats. And mm-hmm. it absolutely works on that level. It just doesn't work on a, on a kind of a piece of, science fiction storytelling level is that unfair but you know uh, what i mean no i think that's absolutely 100 percent correct and i and it, it is I'll, I'll i'll be positive and give them credit for making a bold choice of choosing basically their second episode to focus on you know i guess hoshi is a main character but she's kind of a secondary main character um so focusing on an episode focusing entirely on Hoshi, basically, uh, is a bold choice to make um, when you think you might want to, you know, spend more time with the captain or, you know, some because Scott Bakula and Paul are basically, or I should say Captain Archer and Paul are basically <laughs> the, 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 the main, main characters um, within, I think, I don't know why I'm ranking Enterprise characters by how main they are, but then I think Trip and Reed are probably the next level, and then mm. it's uh, what Mayweather and Hoshi, uh, probably Hoshi, a little ahead of uh, Mayweather, yeah. and uh, then Doctor Flox is kind of floating outside in his own. He's the best, you know. He's an amazing character. I I love Doctor Flox. He's he steals every scene that he's in. Actually, in this, even mm-hmm. when he's doing something quite mundane, you know, he, we we see him at the start, and he's 
kind of observing the crew and making the best of the situation. He's to, he's wondering whether he'll the crewmen will watch him mate. You know what we, he'll let the crewmen will let him watch them mate and kind of thing. And it's kind of funny and it's like, it's it's, a, it's kind of weird. But he's but he's he's kind of uh, the biggest personality in every scene that he's in, right? You know he's mm-hmm. a, he's and he's. Oh, like I was saying before about how you know often we're used to Star Trek with every character having this you know being a, being somehow exceptional and lots of people in, in Enterprise aren't but he is again you know he's he's made this choice to be with them in, in, in his capacity we know that he's you know a, a, a you know a medical expert from a, another race that we you know that, that's still a little bit of a mystery at this point to us um, but he himself yeah I, what what a great catalyst in a lot of scenes you know uh, he, he he does does a lot of heavy lifting I think. He does. And he's the only one seemingly, I mean, Archer asks Hoshi kind of half-heartedly a couple of times, hey, is something wrong? Um, <laughs> but uh, Phlox is the only person on this ship that seemingly can see the obvious struggle that Hoshi is going through until, of course, she like nearly breaks down into tears on the bridge when they tell her, translate this or we're all going to die. No pressure. Um, yeah. And he's like, you know, maybe this is not the right thing for you. Maybe you should go back to teaching. Maybe, you know, or maybe it is the right thing, but you need to clearly make a decision. So uh, I think the way he handles that is good because he doesn't say one way or the other. He's just like, you know, there are many options that you could have. You don't need to stay on the ship if you don't want to. Um, we could just drop you off at a random planet like we did to the slug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, absolutely. He, he's, he's a truth seeker, a truth sayer, isn't he? In, in, mm-hmm. in the, the scenes. Certainly in this episode anyway, in the, that he said. So yeah, he's, he's, um, He's, you know, he's he's a very, very, very strong character. In fact, I I think he's probably up there. You were kind of creating this sort of hierarchy of of the the, the Enterprise characters there, and I think Flox is actually quite high up. I think in in terms of I think what what he delivers certainly is yes. there. But yeah, you're you're right. In fact, I think this early on this first season as well, we don't see a lot of characters come into the strengths that they have later on. Uh, for instance, I think Topol is really this kind of agent of. Uh, sort of um, inaction, really, because she's you know, her role there is to discourage them mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, there's something naive and hopeful about the series, in what I think is probably the best tradition of Star Trek, even if it isn't perfectly executed. About this series, um, there's something about the 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 you know wanting to be out there and exploring. There's something about wanting to face the challenges together. Even the hokey theme tune is about that. And mm-hmm. so there's something at the core of it that I quite like. It's a little bit naive, but it's certainly very very kind of forward-looking. And to Paul, even in, in this episode, is almost the opposite of that, deliberately the opposite. Mm-hmm. That's kind of her role, to be to be the, the foil, so they can be the opposite of that. And, and actually, she becomes way more interesting later on. In fact, most of the characters do. By the time they reach the third season... Um, which is where they introduce the Zindi and they kind of go a different, you know, it slightly becomes slightly more arc related and and um, they get a little bit more determined about where they're going. Um, it doesn't. It feels like it's there now. I think that as a as a fan of Star Trek, I thought that Enterprise became a very watchable show. Actually, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I thought, yeah, yeah. but actually, we're asking a lot of viewers, aren't we? You know, that they have to watch forty episodes. <laughs> Right, you know, Mm -hmm. until until it finds its feet. Uh, That's maybe not a lot for a Star Trek completist, but it is a lot for a casual viewer. So I I sort of understand why people, you know, if this was your first experience of Star Trek, you you wouldn't get it, would you? No, I I think it might be your last experience in Star Trek because you're like, (laughs) I don't know why people like this so much. It's kind of weird and focused on the wrong things. Um, And I will say once again, so. 
the episode ends, they Hoshi successfully gives the alien enough to go on to figure out, oh, these people aren't the ones that killed my friends or my fellow aliens, uh, but these other aliens are, so I will attack them and very quickly blow up the ship um, in almost, you know, making the stakes seemingly meaningless because they kill the aliens in like 30 seconds. Uh, And we have no idea how many people are on there. It doesn't matter. Everyone seems very happy that they're all dead. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Oh, what? (laughs) It's their first contact and they're now mass murderers. Oh Mm -hmm. no! Oh no! (laughs) It is true. Uh, Reed is very excited because he has to shoot some photon torpedoes at them. Or not, they're not photon torpedoes, they're just torpedoes uh, at this point. Uh, I think, right? Are they photon torpedoes? I think think they don't mention the word photon, whether or not that's the technology Uh, they use. Yeah, they're just just torpedoes, right? Someone will correct me. Uh, and, And then casually at the end of the show, and I don't know if, if you picked up on this, uh, Archer's like, oh, you know, we met the aliens, we found out some things for them. Oh, and we find out they live to be 400 years old. And I thought, that makes the murder of these 15 aliens so much worse to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's, and, and it has so little screen time, that, that, that you know, all that, that action there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. The, the, the draining of those aliens that are, mm-hmm. that they find, the more I think about that, the more that is horrific. It's more horrific that they don't dive into what that's about. Right. They're just kind of like, hmm. yeah, I kind of want that now. I, you know, now I want that to be the next episode. <laughs> and know? it's not. It's not. It's not at all. No. I, I imagine. I don't think that this incident in the grand tradition of uh, uh, episodic Star Trek is ever mentioned again. Uh, and I think that these aliens may be mentioned obliquely at some point, but um, not as any particular plot point. So. This is it. They get killed, and uh, that's it's just a, an important lesson for Hoshi to learn that you know. I guess you can overcome your your fears and be a stronger person for it. Yeah, all she needed was confidence in herself. <laughs> that's right. Uh, faith, faith of the heart. Oh. Faith of the heart, Scott. That's what they needed. <laughs> it's true. It's a it's a long road uh, from <laughs> here to there. So, <laughs> yeah, this is. The more I talk about it, the less I like the episode. Uh, and I didn't dislike it actively as I was watching it. So uh, that's not that's not great. No, it's it's uh, yeah, we're 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 kind of picking it apart, and that's 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 true. Inevitable, I think, but let's you know say some, some some nice things about it. It does have some interesting things to say about Hoshi's character, and, and yes. she goes on to you know to be interesting. It does. It is that Gulliver's Travels thing that I was speaking about earlier on. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they go somewhere and they they. Um, away from home and they learn about themselves in the process and 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 you know and i and i like that about it they the other things that 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 are that are odd about it in maybe in sort of sort of star trek tradition perhaps is we don't get a huge sense of the ship being of 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 the enterprise being a part of this the show is called enterprise after all and and you know the um the, the ship is almost like another character in in um in these shows often Apart from the fact that its torpedo alignment is out of sync, <laughs> I don't true. think that you don't really and and maybe there's a squeak in Archer's quarters and and Hoshi's on the wrong side of the ship. There's actually not a lot about the Enterprise in it. It feels kind of very sort of uh, you know like a like a painted backdrop rather than than, mm-hmm. than, than part of it maybe. And I think they were they were so the overall feeling you get about the ship itself is that it's kind of shoddily put together yeah. uh, which is I think a, a conscious choice on their part because they want to say you know this is the first time they're going out these are kind of experimental ish like not exactly but very close to experimental ships so there are things to get worked out and so they're pioneers once again 
it's you know a space conestoga wagon kind of thing uh they 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 will have trouble that you don't normally see in a star trek show because they're they're the first they're doing these yeah. things but i think you're absolutely right it's just kind of like whatever and the ship is not particularly imperiled uh i yeah, mean exactly, it is exactly, exactly. trapped by that other cool looking alien ship but uh that is once again resolved nearly instantaneously so yeah, um, yeah. And, and i will to, to continue the good things i did like the design of both the the murdered aliens and uh the the alien ship the bad ship that shows up i think they both yep, look good yep. so that's good um yeah i agree i think i think the alien the alien ship the the that uh the villains if you like of the piece that's yes. a great design of that ship and there's something a little bit like the modern cylons about it from the, um, oh, the 21st yeah. century um mm-hmm. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, that that sort of hooked semicircle ship, I quite like. Yes. Um, it's yeah, a very it's sinister some... shape for some reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's probably some horrific reason why it, that's a sinister shape in my mind. So I apologize ahead of time if that, that's true. Uh, and but I will not apologize about is having you on the show and having a great discussion about fight or flight because I enjoyed it greatly. So thank you, Dave, for joining me. Scott, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a fantastic chat about uh, Enterprise. Yeah, thanks for having me here. My pleasure.